Welcome to Be More Opinionated. With NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora, the guy who will always pick up a check. The great thing about sports is that it is all about character. And oh yeah, Jerry Coleman, who won't even pay for a bag of pretzels. Come on, man, come on! Welcome in Baltimore and yes, beyond. It is the third edition of Be More Opinionated. You can find us on Twitter at Be More Opinionate. Also, no, 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 no. Yes. You got it wrong already. Just say at Be More Opinionated. Please. I'm telling you, if you no, go to at Be More God. Opinionate, we could argue for 30 minutes on we this. We could totally do that. I guarantee you, if you go to at Be More Opinionate. It just sounds stupid. You'll find us on Twitter. Go to Be More. If someone is searching Twitter. They should search Be More Opinionated with a D at the end since that's the name of the show. Who are you going to listen to? A guy with You're over little, a half million followers or a it guy with 6,000 followers like myself? I, I would say we, we would make that argument based on educational lines much more so than Twitter followers. I would win on both sides if you really want to go there. Great to be here again with Jason Locke and Fora, Jerry Be Coleman. More Opinionated. That's right. And we're back at my Owings Mills estate, so if you hear Jason mock my place, you'll know. I think it's because your wife, Lauren, doesn't want me back in the house after my lobster roll comment. No, you're actually welcome. She gets gets Uncle Jerry. I haven't been able to verify that. She would expect nothing less. In fact, she was more (laughs) perturbed at me for revealing that I now leave the car on empty to, like, revenge get her. She had a much bigger issue with that than she did your rejection of the free lobster roll. Yeah, later on we'll have our uh, weekly angry parental rant of the week, and I'll tie that into something I'll complain about because that's what Be More Opinionated is all about, offering opinions about Baltimore, and this time it'll be BWI under the microscope. But we're getting ready for baseball season. The weather is turning, although I hear that the weather on opening day could be in the You've 50s. you looked at the projected forecast? I've, yeah. I've intentionally not looked. Yeah, it doesn't look promising, but hopefully that'll change. Up ahead, our special guest coming up is Adam Jones, Orioles center fielder, probably the social maven and the leader of the clubhouse. Perennial vocally, all-star. Vocally and literally, and a perennial all-star and gold glover. We'll talk with him about the staff that is lacking right now in terms of pitching, spring training, how he gets ready, his relationship with the media, his role on social media. A lot to get to with Adam Jones, some very pointed questions. But really, the matter at hand is, besides the fact that we haven't seen a whole lot of the Orioles during the spring, and my point of contention is, why why aren't we seeing more games on Masson? That's a question I get all the time when I'm doing sports talk, radio, on Twitter, where you can find me. I know my address at Sports with Coleman. It seems like there's only been a handful of games on TV, and you look at some of the other clubs around baseball, some televise almost every game during the spring. I would think at least every home game. Is that too much to ask? I mean, you set up the production down there. I would imagine once you establish, they're going to be showing games every week or so, so they're going to have some semblance of staff down there through the duration, right? So why not just do every home game? Uh, and, and get everybody set up there, get them situated with housing. I mean, you've got your satellites up. You, you, you're able to broadcast some games. I mean, why not? Why, I understand not wanting to take the show on the road, and let's face it, the best players aren't going to be in those games anyway. There's only so many games, and Adam Jones is going to travel across Alligator Alley in the course of five weeks to go play Fort Myers or whoever on the other side, Bradenton, I don't know. But at least the home games, is that too much to ask? The facility does hold enough. I completely agree for 
a station to be right there in right field. You can put your trucks right there, coordinate them with the complex. You own the property. I mean, uh, and it's like, a no-brainer. I don't and I see like other teams go, do it. Right. And the main thing as a media member and as a fan, it's like Masson, they don't use a shuttle. 32 guys show up in 32 cars. There's barely anywhere to park. Not that the regular fan Wait, would care about Wait, you're complaining about media parking at yeah, the Sarasota Stadium? I'm complaining more on behalf of the Oriole fan that I hear from saying, how come we can't well, watch the Orioles the play today? And I mean, like, would it be crazy to have, if you're going to do that, like have maybe at least 30 minutes or dare I say, an hour of programming in an afternoon from down there? Because like, that's all they have. To actually talk about who's going to make the team and who's not going to make the team and I love what's the guys. going on with Kim and I love the is guys Miguel going to be in the rotation? That run Masson, but there should be more programming. Content is king. There should be more content on that network. It seems like we're seeing more national games than Oreo games. Maybe Oreo fans are noticing that. So spring training, we're heading into the, uh, I guess if you were to equate this portion of spring training, it'd be like the third or fourth preseason yeah, game right. in the NFL. Right. It's a little different in the NFL because no one plays in the fourth preseason game. And I think we're going to see closer to the everyday lineup now because Buck really doesn't have, you're not in full experimental mode anymore. And I mean, a lot of guys have been cut and will be cut. Right. As we're cutting this piece right now, as we're doing this podcast, they still have 41 guys on the roster. By the time somebody downloads this over the weekend, that will have changed. But, yeah, they're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Look, I, 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 see, I was about to say I've seen enough. Obviously, we haven't seen enough because not enough games are on TV. But from what I've read and, and what I've seen, we mentioned in the first two podcasts, I'm jocking Joey Rickard. He's like my Oreo of the year. I used Steve Pierce was my guy one year. I kind of pick a guy every year who I, I'm like, this is going to be my guy for this year. Give this kid the month of April. I want to see him in left field where he's a plus-plus defender. I want to see him leading off. And let's give him three or four weeks. And I want to keep Nolan Reimold as well. So if that means that Kim's not on the team, then I think that's a pretty easy conversation. You say, hey, buddy, here's Norfolk. It's really nice this time of year. You're going to be down there for at least two or three weeks. Uh, and we want to try to develop you. We want to get you regular at-bats there to see what we have. If you're not cool with that, there's a whole league in Korea. They may want you back. But I think it's time to play a little bit of hardball there. You don't think it's And I want to see the Rule 5 kid. Give him the month of April. I agree with Rickard. He deserves a shot in left field. I just think it's too soon to get rid of Kim and send him back well, overseas. Send him down to AAA right, if I'm he will agree. You don't want him as the 25th man on the roster who might get but to a jettison, hitting at bat here But to jettison him back to South Korea well, if he says, a bit too I got news soon. for you. If he says no to Norfolk, there really isn't any. If he's not one of your 25 and he doesn't want to be one of the other 15 who are on your 40 man but aren't up right now, I got news for you. There really is no other option. I agree there isn't, but I just think that they're going to try and convince him to stick around at the major right, league he, level, which he doesn't whether have to it be do. in the minor leagues, but around major leaguers to a degree where he can at least interact with former major leaguers in this country after just right. spending he, look, a very, very short period of time in the U.S. It hasn't been even two and a half, three months. No, I get all that. And, and Norfolk isn't all that different from Baltimore. I mean, he'll still get that sort of experience. He'll get the cultural aspect. He'll get some of that initial sort of jitters out of his body. And he'll do it where we're not obsessing about it in Baltimore every single night. Every at-bat isn't going to be on TV. People aren't going to be looking for another reason to say he can't cut it. Go rake in Norfolk and you'll have a spot. But I don't think this team has the luxury of contending and wanting to contend and still obviously having some flaws to carry a guy and just, ooh, really hope everybody's rooting for him and you, you, know, you cross your fingers every time he comes to the plate. But he's not developing on a daily basis. And 
he's not really in a role to contribute. And the whole thing, I think, could just snowball in a negative direction. Let's get to the big pink elephant in the room, and that's the lack of starting pitching. And there's still discussions about James Shields, which frightens you because they picked up Gallardo. He hasn't really been everything that he's built up to be. Tillman was named the opening day starter basically out of default because Ubaldo Jimenez put up another stinker when people thought that he would be the guy. Gosman's going to start probably on the DL. Definitely on the DL. Can't really count on Mike Wright, Tyler Wilson on an everyday basis, only because they haven't proved themselves at the major league level just yet. So, so many question marks right now combined with injuries, and we haven't even mentioned the disaster that is Miguel Gonzalez, who seemed to be just a one-year wonder. Yeah, that's the big that's the big problem. Gallardo historically doesn't pitch well in the spring, and you just got to look. You, you got to bank on him to eat 200 innings. I'm not a big James Shields guy, other than he will eat 200, 200 plus innings, and we we don't know. We, we just went. You just went through the whole rotation. I don't know how many people you could absolutely say who are on this 40-man right now can do that. I'm intrigued by. Uh, like Tyler Wilson, I think he can pitch. I think he gets the mental side of it. Doesn't have plus stuff, but is smart enough and knows his strengths and weaknesses enough, I think, to hang around as a fourth or fifth guy. The problem is he hasn't gotten a lot of the innings. And Wright's gotten the innings, but I think major league-wise, he's a seventh or eighth inning guy with a power arm who can use that to compensate for some of the finesse that he lacks. I'm you with could, you. If you could combine... You know, Tyler's mind with Mike's body and arm. Your powers combined. I am Captain Wow, you've got a top of the rotation starter. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But one of them is going to get a starter too. I'm not buying that Kevin is definitely back April 10th. That's the first date he could come off. I don't think that happens. I think they err on the side of caution with him, which means somebody, maybe, maybe they give Miguel first turn up. But I think. We're going to see a situation where Wright or Wilson make an early season start, and then hopefully, you know, Gossman only misses one turn through the right rotation. Right now, they do not have a true number one. In fact, if you were to well, put I don't this know if rotation, they have a number two. yeah, they would be their best pitcher at least in two or three on virtually every other American League East yeah. team, if not every other American now, League team. To me, they've got two threes, maybe two slash threes, and Gallardo and Tillman, and then a Baldo. To me, is really a four and. We don't know what Miguel is right now. And then we've got... Their best you know, young pitchers are all dealing with ailments, either present well, or in the, the past. The good news is, knock wood, knock on wood. Harvey and Bundy haven't been an issue health-wise. Well, Bundy has in the not, past. Not, no, I'm, you mean I'm currently. this spring. And Harvey has in the past, but this, this spring I'm you're talking, right. Well, let's, let's try to It's Gossman we're talking about right now. Yeah, and I mean, he got his cortisone shot. Yeah, he had a stint on the DL last year. But aside from him... The guys who you think of as arm risk coming into camp, you know, one's going to be in the bullpen in the major leagues. The other one, hopefully, ha- is in the minors, taking his normal turn and but building. But they were his drafted as starters. They were drafted Things to be happened. aces, I weren't get they? It. Yeah, and the, that's the story is unwritten. Let's just we'll, we'll see. All right, Adam Jones will continue writing this story coming up. We're joined by number ten, who will have a lot to say. Trust me, in a rare podcast interview. But he'll make time for us coming up on Be More Opinionate. Or- no! No! What episode will you know the name of the podcast by? Can't you see this as a it's running bit got, where I get no, your ire no, every really time? No, it's really not because away from the pod, you <laughs> I look can't at get Kevin. it right either. Practice like you play. You can't even practice it correctly, so I know you can't play it correctly. Someone's face just turned red. We'll let you guess and we'll be back on Be More Opinionated. Yo, that's not even going to make it in. 
As promised, we're joined by Orioles perennial all-star, center fielder, gold glove winner, and allegedly a friend of the show, at least hopefully he will be after this podcast, Adam Jones with us here on Be More Opinionated. Did I get it right? You actually said the show correctly, which is the first time he's done that, Adam, but I'm guessing that doesn't surprise you knowing this knucklehead. He's heard me screw up so much, it's become like second fiddle. It's a nightly occurrence. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, Adam, Not there's me. this misconception out there that you hate my guts. Can we set the record straight? Uh, I don't hate your guts, Coleman. Just your existence. No, no, no. Um, and I, I like the fact that uh, we can go back and forth to each other and see how people react to it. It's priceless because at the end of the day, they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. They just see what we post on social media. And as we know, social media can be very, very false. Testicular fortitude, as you refer to it. Testicular fortitude. One of my favorite sayings, Vince McMahon said that all the time back in the day, so I just I thought it was politically correct, and it wasn't uh, like vile, so I think that's a good, good thing to say. Absolutely. Adam, I've known Jerry for a long time, and when I first met him, I'd say he was an acquired taste. Like We were covering the Redskins together, and he would kind of ask these questions and, and kind of go off the rails a little bit. And at first, I was like, what planet is this guy from? And then a couple weeks in, I was like feeding him questions like, hey, if you say this to Joe Gibbs, his head will explode. Like I became like a, a Coleman appreciator. And now in my house, he's known as Uncle Jerry by my kids and everything. Aww. He's like he's like revered. How did your relationship evolve? Was it kind of similar where at first you're like, what the hell is this cat all about? And then he became your boy? First off, when I started seeing him, I thought he was like one of uh, like, like the Conehead families, like Beldar from a different <laughs> planet. Like, who is this guy? Ah, <laughs> Beldarino! Want a beer? Ah, yes. I am ready to suck back a cold one. Coming in with his little shorts, shirt tucked in. Yes! Uh, little socks coming up to his little skinny legs. But he challenges people. And he told, when he told me he challenged Brady Anderson to a race, but like didn't back down from it, I, I that, that was a respect right there. Because most people are going to say whatever they want, but... Won't, won't go through with it. You know what I mean? A lot of people can talk crap, but don't show up for it. And when he told me that he raised Brady and I confirmed with Brady, I mean, he got, he got beat bad as, <laughs> as expected, but he didn't back down. When you do things like that, if you can get my respect, especially in today's day where so many people just uh, talk down to, it doesn't matter what industry or field it is, but, you know, and most people just don't back it up. He actually went out there and backed it up. So, I, I, once that moment, I was in uh, 08 or 09, I, I grew a little respect for him. And we had some mutual friends, and I, I had to get him checked out a little bit through, through those channels. And he checked out all right. He checked out all right. He did his uh, background search. What he may not remember is I actually lost to Brady's girlfriend as well, former <laughs> tennis player Amanda Kutzer. Bet you didn't know that part. She's a pro I tennis player, Jones. She would have whipped your ass. Oh, I beat Brady, so what's the, what are you saying? I, I'll be Brady. At the peak of her career, ten years ago, I'd like you to see that. You think she's race. faster than him? She's a tennis player. He's an MLB center fielder. He stands out there and blows bubbles. Man, I'll beat all of y'all. <laughs> and our girlfriends and wives. And your girlfriends and wives. Well, if you, if you have wives and girlfriends, you guys are cool. Coleman, Coleman once dated a horse, though, didn't you? So I don't know. I don't know if you could have won that one, Adam. Secretariat, she was a hell of a gal. I mean, if you date Marion Jones, then you might you might got an advantage. But or Gail Devers, one of them. 
You know, they shut right. Coleman down. Most, he tried. He tried, but okay. Yeah, as long as you try, it's all about it's all about the effort. That's all I'm about. I'm about effort. You know, I mean, you can fail, 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 but if you try, then hell, you knew how hard it was. But if you don't try at all, you don't even know how hard it was. Now, a lot of people outside of baseball or inside baseball may not realize that your favorite sport away from baseball, or so it seems, is the WWE. What got you attracted to that? <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not a whole lot of black wrestlers out there, are there? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but I grew up watching it. I grew up watching it as a kid, man. Every, I think every kid you see back in the day, and getting into junior high and high school, me and my friends used to always talk about it um, on Tuesday watch it, after watching Monday Night Raw. But then about 15, 16, I had an inclination that it was fake, but then it was actually confirmed that they were entertained, like it was really entertainment. And then like the, the Wild World Wildlife Federation came in and took the actual right. WWF and now they're in the WWE, and it, it kind of just, you know, it, it tasted like a, a foreign soda. You know, no, right. not that good. So, you know, I've, I've, kept up, I've kept up with it a little bit. Obviously, I'm not as big as, as I was when I was a teenager going into, you know, basically my old teens, but I still, I still pay attention to it because it's still entertaining. It's fun. Those guys are out there doing a, a hell of a job entertaining the fans, the masses, and their schedule is very tough, and their job is tough, but... You know, they, I think they see the appreciation coming from the, from not just our sport, baseball, but basketball players, football players, recognizing the, recognizing their talents. And, you know, in, in the whole sporting entertainment world, we're all one big family, and, you know, I just like supporting it. If you get a chance, check out New Japan Pro Wrestling. It comes on Access, AXS channel, like Fridays at 9 o'clock if you set your DVR. A lot of those guys are now in the WWE. But anyway, for what it's worth, it's pretty cool stuff. Is it hilarious? It's, it's not hilarious. Well, it's, it's hilarious in like an unintentional way because they do like regular press conferences after the game. Like so they're like media and they're interviewing these guys and they're trying to like act their stuff out like they normally would, like a skit. But they just keep like bombarding them with questions and they're answering in Japan and you've got like the, the English translation on the Close bottom. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah, it's it, you. I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's it's and the guys are like unbelievable athletes and all that stuff as well. Um, yeah. Do Do you find similarities between Baltimore and San Diego? Because I, I I've always kind of thought of them in, in, a little bit similarly. Like obviously the the, the climates are different. Yeah, yeah I was it, like how. Well, because I yeah, think, the, I'm I think wondering they how. recognize their own. <laughs> I think I think of Tony Gwynn in the same way I think of Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken, um, I think okay. the size of the cities is probably pretty similar. Um, I think no. Baltimore, Smaltimore. I got a fi- – so you're already shooting my no, theory one now. has a beach. The other no. doesn't. I said besides no, the Baltimore. Climate. I mean, Baltimore – I mean, San Diego is 4 million people roughly. Is it that much bigger? Well, I mean, my theory. I mean, roughly, you, can, you include the county you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about four plus million people. But, but similarities in terms of San Diego is its own. Like San Diego isn't L.A. It's not the Bay. San Diego is its own. Baltimore is Baltimore. People in Baltimore love Baltimore. You say D.C., Philly? No, they say Baltimore. You know what I mean? That, that's you. what I've learned about, about being in Baltimore is that people from Baltimore love Baltimore. And people from San Diego, they love San Diego. And people, and it's crazy because – Obviously, the city of San Diego is so much bigger, but folks that say they're in Lakeside, Santee, Rancho Bernardo, they all just say San Diego. And when we, when, but then when I dig deep, I'll be like, yeah, I'll be filling them out where they live. And I'm like, yeah, it's not San That's not the city. You're out there living all nice and stuff. But, hey, I think the similarities in that is, is good. I think we love our Mexican food just as much as you love your seafood. Yep. 
See, there I think you go. That, that's a that's a fair one. That's a fair one. Um, you guys love your sports way more than we love our sports. Because we don't have the beach. If we had the beach, no, if we had anything else to do. Right. That is a good point. In the wintertime, it's, it's, it's tough to do things outside, so you might as well watch the teams play. You know what I like more Baltimore than San Diego? What's that? The properties. A lot cheaper. You can't, huh? you can't find anything about that. You can't find no 100 acres. You can't find, you can't find 10 acres remotely close to the city of San Diego that is developable, that it flat, <laughs> put it that way. In Baltimore, I mean, just north of, just north of the city in the county, either, either direction doesn't matter. You go out to Ellicott City out there, you go down south to Rockville area, Severna Park area, there's just tons of land and space. You can have horses, you can get 50, 60 acres. You can't get that in San Diego. And if you do, you're going to be somewhere either in the mountains stuck in far away from somewhere or out in the desert where there ain't nothing. But in Baltimore, you you know, 20, 30 minutes away from two major cities. And that right there is something I've always looked at like, that's pretty cool. Who likes their baseball more, Baltimore or San Diego? Baltimore. Not even close, that's, because San Diego not, could not, be losing their close. football team as well. Yeah. I, mean, I think, I mean, it's crazy because San Diego is such an imported city. You know, I say over the last, like my generation, or maybe a little bit before me, we're all born in San Diego, but before that, uh, like Coleman's age, those, those those folks were born in uh, Old in different parts of, different parts of the United States, and they migrate there as they realize that this place is awesome. But they've already made all their money, so they're not getting taxed so high. <laughs> so you got to think like that. So you're very active on social media. Uh, from time to time, you have your periods where you're more active yes. than others. Uh, has yes. anyone ever come to you, your agent, the ball club, MLB, and said? Hey, tone it down a little bit. It's it's getting too rough out there in social media, Bill. And when I first got on Twitter, Monica, rest her soul, she uh, came and told me she was like, "Yeah, these you are you saying are you saying these type of things?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Yeah, let's tone that down." I think I was speaking a little bit too explicit for and not understanding what this was. You know what I mean? It was a new tool, but for the most part, no. I think I police myself in the matter. I know what I know what will get me in trouble. I know where the line is. I mean, I tow it. But I'm not going to step over the line and try and put myself nor this organization in any compromising position. And the you know, last thing I want is to have my manager or you know the owner, GM, answering questions about my social media. So I just monitored myself. Obviously, there's things I want to say. There's times I just want to let loose, air folks out and all that stuff. But social media is definitely not the right place for it, especially with the importance I guess I have on this organization, the influence I have. It makes no sense for me to do that. I'll just leave that to the other people who have, I don't know what the heck they have to lose, but let them say whatever they want. I, I know there's been cases where uh, kids have said things over social media, lost scholarships, yeah. lost, uh, I don't get how people could do that. How do you go there and just, I don't get it, but I'm not supposed to. I'm just supposed to uh, go along with it, right? One thing I've tried to do over time with mine is just not look at the mentions because for every one good one you see, like, the ratio is probably 50 to one and like people just putting me on blast and getting me to the point where like, I'm almost ready to fire back. You seem to put something up on Guthrie and uh, reading the mentions, people just, I mean, it started out like just whatever. And then people just started getting after it. And then they ended up at a truce. They started yelling at each other and then they they found a common ground and they both said, best of luck to each other. Really? See, I I sent that out. It took like an hour and a half. It took like an hour and a half for that to transpire. 
when <laughs> you know what I mean is I, I don't get why people are keyboard heroes. What does that do? What is yeah. I mean? Oh, cool. Like I see you know you, you Instagram. That's the best place. A, a girl put a, anybody a, a swimsuit model or doesn't matter what you put up. There's always going to be something, some backlash. You know, you, people put up pictures of their kids and you see, oh, that kid is ugly. Oh, look at that. I'm like, how could you do that? And probably the person posting it is probably not the most attractive person. But right. why do they even need to do that? And I, I, that's the part I, I don't, I'm still trying to get my grasp on is, you know, if it comes down to the old saying, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. I get you can, you can beat around the bush and, you know, throw jabs at folks. But I think when you do that, you do that how me and Coleman do, does it with taste, with respect. But obviously, we're, we're trying to draw attention, not just directly hurt someone right. or, you know, create malice. That, because just imagine, if, I always said this, imagine if every athlete and every celebrity got away from social media. What the hell would social media be? Be boring. Yeah, it'd be yeah, well, empty. Yeah, well, like a Kim Kardashian, I can't stand that. I can't, I don't they're just I'm good off all of them. But they're so damn popular. So you respect that factor. They're popular. And that popularity creates so much revenue. Imagine if she just said, you know what? I'm done with all this stuff. I'm done with my TV show. I'm done with all of this. What would happen? I think we'd be a smarter and, and, culture. And, and, time, and then times that by all the famous celebrities. I don't know what they're famous for. But Infamous. What about all them? If you just got all them away from social media, all the athletes just dumped it from social media. What would it be? Just a bunch of people talking to each other? Yeah, it'd just be troll-on-troll conversation. On what? Talking about what, though? Rumors, gossip, innuendo. The same people. Oh, yeah. But without yeah, them being but, involved. Exactly. It would so be a much just, more it, boring it, world, no doubt about exactly. it. Exactly. It's always cool when someone creeps in, like if an athlete goes on, like something happens, and then the athlete gives his two cents about it on Twitter, and then that creates another little story. You know what I mean? Yes. That part right there keeps it going, keeps it going. But some of the athletes, you can see they're getting tired and fed up because – no one ever. No, I mean, obviously, what he said. You signed up for this. You know, you make a lot of money. You you deserve to be uh, ridiculed for all that. Really? So, and, and I've had this conversation with my with my wife about it. Is that, all right, cool. Somebody pays entrance to a baseball game, so they can can yell at you. All right, cool. I understand that. Within your boundaries, they before they get ejected. Cool. I go to a restaurant. I'm paying money to eat food. I'm providing. I'm helping this establishment. So therefore, if the raider is slow, I deserve. I can say something loud and obnoxious to him or her because I'm not pleased with the entertainment, right? So if you go to a baseball game and they're not playing well, you boo. If you go to a football game and don't, they're not playing well, you boo. So if I'm at a restaurant and the waiter is slow or the waiter is not compre- comprehending my order, am I in line to boo? You're absolutely right. No, that, that, no. You're right. I just throw hypothetical. Right. That's all I do. I'm, but, I'm just Mr. Hypothetical. But that's a pretty good hypothetical. But, I mean, that, that would obviously lead me to wonder – how often do people on the road out there in the center field bleachers go over the line? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> hopefully oh, not a lot. That sounds uh, like a lot. A lot more, a lot, a lot more than you would, would think. I mean, some some of us some of us got taste, but the last year when when Toronto when they were on that run in August September, oh my lord! And I, and, and to be honest with you. As a baseball fan, it's awesome to see any stadium packed. It's awesome to see a fan base revive. That's up to me. As a baseball fan, that's legit. But what they were saying out there in center field to me, oh, I, I, I just I just turn around and just be like, all right, whatever y'all drinking, that must be good. <laughs> I thought the, <laughs> the all, Canadians are supposed thought, to be yeah. nice. They're supposed to be kindly, gentler, friendly. No, too much no, no, no. Outs, outside the game, 
they're the nicest people. But it, during the competition, oh my lord, you talk. Woo. Can you give us a PG thirteen version of like what they were flinging out there? Uh, let's see. Let's see if you can fill in the blank. Okay. You know, good mother. Okay, I know that. I know that oh, yeah. tune. I can name that song in one note. <laughs> Go yourself. I got that one too. I just with your moms. Ooh. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Just that's, that's just PG. Up. That's messed up. There was one time in Boston. I even told somebody said that to me. I had to call my mom. Like, mom, you in Boston? <laughs> I even said that over an interview with Gary because they're asking about it. Yeah, somebody said my mom was in town. They took her on a date and all that stuff. And I just had to call and confirm because it'd be quite rude if my mom came to Boston and didn't see me. See that. What I get about you just watching from afar, though, is like you're into fan interaction. Like you seem to be a guy who gets off on, you know, that you're not separated. You're not wearing a helmet. You're not, a, you know, 500 miles removed from the from the fans. They should pick up on that, too. Like if somebody has something cool to say that's somewhat witty, that's one thing. But just to be throwing that stuff out there, the fans should be better. Oh, than yeah. That. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, that's not a, it's not every occurrence. I think it's just in that moment. And. And like I said, it was a, we got a packed house. The excitement of that team was going on. You throw all those factors into it. And trust me, I understand. It was a big party in that center field. That thing was packed. And when something's packed, that means drinks are flowing. And when drinks are flowing, that means what we all, what, what a lot of people get liquid courage. Yeah. And, hey, at the end of the day, I don't mind it. Just my biggest thing is it's the kids around because – a kid is just going to see what the adults do. And if he sees that, it's fine with the adult to do it, especially when it comes to yelling and eloquent. He's going to do it. He's going to jump right in. So um, I'm, that's the only biggest thing. Say what you want to say. I don't care. You think you're going to hurt my feelings if you say I suck? Right. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> but um, it's it's the kids, you know. Yeah. That, that's the biggest thing because the kid is just going to pick up on that and be like, oh, well, you have all these people yelling this thing at him. Well, it's cool for me to do it and when it's not. When you're on the road, is there a favorite, and we know how much you love to eat and enjoy the cuisine, is there a favorite stop, a favorite restaurant for you on the road when you're away from Baltimore? Well, there's every city, there's a spot that I go to. Like, is there one that stands out that you look forward to that whenever I hit this place, I can't wait, I have it circled on my calendar, or is it just every place you go to? Seattle El Gaucho Steakhouse. I think that's my top meal in the country. Wow. See, I like the Met. Yeah. We've argued about this before. The Met, the Met and the Met, and you say, hey, the Met is the Met is the Met is great. I am not going to say it's not better or anything. I just like this place. No. People like Mashville City Hall better. People like Ruth Chris. That's their favorite steakhouse. Right. People like Morton's. That's their favorite. People like Prime Rib. If Got there was only right. one, that was the best. Wouldn't they just be only one? That's true. What about locally? Like, obviously, there's Aldo's, there's Charleston, there's restaurants that win awards every year. Do you have a few, like, locals, local-only spots, like, sort of dives or off-the-beaten-path places that, whatever, you stumbled into that you're like, wow, this is legit? You'll spot me at Abbey Burger. That's a good spot. Um, you'll spot me at Blue Moon. Okay. Miss Shirley's. That's over there in Canton. Mm-hmm. I love her. Breakfast. She's so nice. Yes, breakfast. She's so sweet. And uh, Food Market out in... Um, in Hamden? In Hamden. I've been there. Yes. Yeah. That place, that's a, that place is quality. See, that's awesome that you get out to all different parts of town. You know what I mean? You don't just stay oh, yeah. in your suburb sure. or just eat no. like, near Camden Yards. He's unlike me. I no, don't leave Ricerstown Road. Yeah, Coleman. Forget about it. Oh, you know more about sweetie, Baltimore than Coleman. Sweetie Pies out there? You know Sweetie Pies? He's, at, he's talking I'll to you, Jerry. Like, Jerry's looking pie? at me what? with a blank slate. Like, I try to keep them all what? in the zip code. It's a soul food restaurant. Coleman, you need to go. It's in Rice's Town. Oh, I know what you're talking. Granny's? 
grannies. There you go. Go get yourself some uh, some cobbler. Okay. And some collard greens. I've had that. I grew yeah. up in Atlanta. Adam, can you get him a gift card? Because he doesn't oh, usually pay it. cash. He doesn't understand that when most people go to a restaurant, they are pulling out a credit card. Let me tell you something. Hold on. Before he answers that, this guy has offered me two gift cards in the past, or at least one I know of, that I have turned mm-hmm. down. Maybe two, because I said I'm a journalist. Look at I'm you. a professional. I can't take this you from you a medal? and cover you in I'll right take mind. him, Adam. Whatever you offered him, I'll that, take that Adam. Is you very true. I was just, you I was just, guest I was just pre-game? offering him a steak, potatoes, and some, you know, I just wanted to fatten him up a little bit. There you know? go. Clothing. You gave me something to a uh, clothing store for being on the Yankees pregame show once, and after a day of thought, my mom said, "Return it." <laughs> <laughs> true story. I was like, "Mom, Nordstroms." I mean, one hundred fifty dollars. There's a lot I could get. She said, "Give it back." <laughs> there you go. And then, and took, and then, she, then you took her credit card and went to go buy the same thing. Now you got it. Well, I'm not going to end the that story, story that way, but that may or may not be true. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting ready for opening day. What gets you excited about the start of the season? The fans, they're ready to go. I mean, it was a tough football season, so the whole winter has been tough. And, uh, in Baltimore, they've been eager for baseball. And I know, you know, uh, there's been question marks around us, around the team, and certain certain facets for doing spring. But I think that the fans, you know, they they're the ones that get excited. They want to, you know, they want to get back. They want to chomp at the bit and get back on the, on this game. So as soon as you get to the ballpark opening day, you just see everybody out there early packed in there. And then I think the part that still gives me chills is when they say, "All right, cool, we're about to go out and go all the way around the stadium underneath, and then run out to center field." That part right there, the stadium is packed already. You know, man, that part right there, and then you run out with the little with the kids, the boys and girls club kids. You know, then it's, it's go time. Right, right there, you sitting in, right by second. I'm standing right by second base, getting the national anthem, looking at the opponent, and they saying, "Hey, best of luck." You know, grind it out. And at, at that moment, that's when you just say, "Hey, it's time to grind." How cool is it to be here now, though, where expectations aren't like, well, maybe this is the year they go 500, or maybe they're competing in August to where. Like, if you don't make the playoffs, everyone, team included, feels like it was a disappointment. That's the whole point of us playing. It makes no sense just to play, just to play. What, you just playing for a check? I mean, the check is nice, but I'm playing for a ring, man. There ain't no other reason for me to be here. That's all I want to do. I think, you know, people keep saying to me, oh, you know, you're submitting yourself as a, as a legend in Baltimore. I'm not submitting myself as nothing if I don't win. All them guys, as you see, there's six guys up there. How many greats have the Orioles had? To me, I mean, they've had a lot of greats, but there's six that stand out. Why? They all have one thing in common. Well, a few things, actually. But <laughs> one that, that, that stands out. They got that hardware. They got that ring somewhere in, the, in a lock safe box, or they've given it to the family members and because most of them are elder. You know, that right there, that sets you apart. I see them six folks every day when I come into the park here in um, Sarasota. When you go through the training room, you pass by all six again. When I'm in center field looking at the home play, you look just up at the uh, PA announcer, you see those six again. It's a reminder, and then you go to Camden, you see those six again. This is where you want to be. Those guys are winners. You want to be up there, you want a statue? Cool. Accomplish this one goal, and you get it. And most played, if not their entire career, most of it, yes. with Baltimore. That's something you're aiming yeah. to do, I assume, right? It's not up to me. I got uh, this this year and two more after this. So that part is not up to me. Obviously, I've enjoyed my time here. I'm still enjoying it. I enjoy what, I, what I'm able to do for the community. But I've seen business partake in this business. And yeah. 
if there's interest on both sides, I believe there is, but interest has to have a, a result, and that's not up to me. The ownership's going to have to come after me if they want me. Well, and hopefully what we just saw the three months prior to spring training, well, and even some of the spending in the spring training is a sign of what is to come, not just a one-time phenomenon. Exactly. Well, you signed CD for seven, O'Day for four. Uh, we came back for the accepting quali- qualifying offer. We got Gallardo for three years, um, Ubaldo for two more. Yep. This year, another from Tillman, Gonzalez, Britton. So, I mean, we're all getting older. So, you know, and the thing is, is with this business, is guys want to take care of their families. Me, I think the Orioles have already given me more than I'd ever imagined I would ever get in life. So, I'm overappreciated. But at the same time, you know, it, it, I want to win. And they know that. They know that sense of urgency that, that I have. So I think by them signing the CD for seven years meant that, okay, look, we're, we're about keeping a uh, cornerstone here for longer than this. And like I said, by me getting six years, three and a half years ago, it, it meant that to me that, okay, look, they want me here for the long haul now. You know, I got, it seemed like it's my first year of arbitration all over. You know, see what, what's going to transpire. But it's not my first year of arbitration. So we're just going to see. You know, I think the best thing is time will tell. I need to go out there and not worry about it and just go play in the field and help this team win anywhere I can. All right, we're going to let you go soon here because you got to get to the park. We know that. Appreciate you being on our podcast, and hopefully you'll enjoy it down the line and rejoin us. Uh, we heard coming into spring training that this whole pie act was going away. You know my feelings on it in the past. But yeah. is it a dead issue altogether? I mean, what would be the ramification if you were to pie someone? Would there be a fine punishment uh would they send you to your bedroom without pie what's the result yeah i you know i think i think someone's gonna come down there and whoop me i, I think that would they would do <laughs> i don't They'd know take who. me in the back and take me in the back and do old school get a say tell tell me to go get them a switch and whoop me but no, i don't i really don't know um i'm still talking to them and see like what can i do because the relationship i built personally with dangerous delicious has been great too you know what i mean it's Players, I get to the players, and sometimes they don't want the pies, but actually having a pie is actually really good. Yes. But it's became a Baltimore, you know, stamp that after a good, exciting win or something like that, somebody's getting pied. And obviously you see there's 60 cameras that are there now, and people are talking for seeing who can get the best shot, watch me pie somebody. So, you know, I think it's exciting. I have caution. I understand. It's not, I'm not the one paying the bills, and I'm not the one paying the guys, so I understand it. So if they want to do it, we can do it. If they don't, then hey, I might just cut them a slice. <laughs> so so that, <laughs> there could be, in a moment of inspiration, an amazing win, there may or still be a pie somewhere in the vicinity that if you had to break in an emergency, you could get there, like a fire alarm. You know what I mean? Only break in an emergency. It, it's not out of the question. Oh, there's, there's definitely going to be one on deck. You know that. There, there's, there's, there's always one. It's like there's always one in the chamber. There's, there's definitely one on deck. You know what I mean? Hey, can I get two real quick ones in for my kids? Because they're more impressed that I'm doing this than that, like, I broadcasted from Super Bowl 50. They don't care about that. It's but it's like, you're talking youth. to Adam? For the youth. Yeah, it's all about the kids. So, so Chloe hey, wanted man, to Adam, know. Adam, Adam loves the kids. Man. I know that. You, you, you've established that. So, so Chloe wanted to know who your biggest inspiration was in baseball. Tony and, Gwynn. And Rocco there wanted to know why you wear number 10. Come on, Coleman, since you already answered the first question. I knew it was Gwynn. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, obviously, Tony Gwynn, got, I built a relationship with him. I mean, got to watch the tail end of his career, but I built an incredible relationship with him. While I've been playing up until his death, 
And uh, he just taught me a lot about the game, not just necessarily like, look, at this is what you got to do, but just like this is the lifestyle. Uh, Mark McElmore, obviously my mentor, he basically showed me every step of the way more physically. And everything he said is, came to fruition in terms of, you know, how to, the life of the game. And um, what's the second question? Uh, why number 10? Oh, why number 10? My, uh, my Uncle Lynn took me to a game in 2000, no, 2094. Braves came to town and were playing the Padres. And I see little skinny guy with number 10, young Chipper Jones. I seen Jones 10. I'm like, oh, man, that was okay. good together. Because at that time, I was playing basketball, and all everybody wanted to get number 23, and I was able to get 23. So I seen that. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I wasn't really into baseball at that time. But then as I, I just started to watch more baseball, and then I started to see more chipper. And you see as 95 came in 96 when they won it, uh, or 95 when they won it in 96, uh, we're still around there. And his name, he just became more popular and popular. And as I got older, you know, every team I just wanted to try and get number 10, I was able to secure it in high school. And um, the only time I didn't get it was my first year in pro ball. I got, I forgot, I wasn't able to get 10 because we had a guy who had more time in uh, A-ball than me. Good for him. And then uh, <laughs> and the next year, the next year was a guy who same the same fate, he had more time than me. Double A, I get to double A. The guy, older guy who already had it. Then I get to triple A, and nobody had it. And I was able to, the, the cover gave me that number. And, you know, I got called up. I got 25, obviously. But then the next year, I was able to get 10. And 10 is just a number that it's, it's, it's my favorite number. And I think it looks good on my back. And hopefully no Oreo will ever wear it again. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, there's a few things I need to do to secure that. Yeah, we're not there yet, but you're heading on the right path, path brother. Absolutely. You're, 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 yeah, you're well on your way, on it. I would say. I'm working on it. And a big shout out to Chipper Jones. Yeah, Baltimore owes Chipper Jones a shout of gratitude. Chipper's a man. Adam, you're the man for coming on. Be more opinionated. Good job. He got it right, Adam. He got it right that time. You got it right time. two times in a row, Coleman. Dang, Don't you're on a roll, it. buddy. Hey, thanks for your time, man. Go yeah. get them this year. We appreciate it. Anytime. We'll Very be. grateful. Hey, thanks to Adam Jones for joining us, and he will be a regular on this podcast. He's agreed to that? That's you, you, you talking out of your butt on that one, or that's uh, that's verified? That's unofficial. I can put that on Twitter? That's unofficial. Yeah, there'll be so plenty of So we can just say tweets. it on the podcast, but we won't actually put it out there anywhere else. Anyway, each and every week on this show, I'm given some sort of homework assignment. Ooh, I should have asked Adam if he had one for you. Last week on this very show, I was given a homework assignment by Josh Charles. I would like to know um, Glenn Davis. Oh, wow. Uh, what, a, what a trade that was. That's a good one. What a punch. One of the took. worst trades of ever, huh? Yeah. Oh, the sad story the of Glenn mighty Davis. Glenn Davis. Well, Glenn Davis, infamous in Baltimore because he was part of what many consider to be the worst trade in Orioles history when he was sent to the Orioles for three future All-Stars. You remember Steve Finley, Pete Harnish, and, of course, Kurt, Kurt Schilling. Schilling. Yeah. After the trade, Davis signed a then-club record. Then-club record. $3.2 million one-year deal with the Orioles. Bring the, where's our register? Ka-ching, where's our little register sound effect for that one? Give there it, it is. But the first baseman then suffered a nerve injury in his neck during his first spring with the Orioles, never regained his power-hitting form Few from people Houston. people read off of Wikipedia with the lack of passion that you have. You're, not, the even top trying, of my you're head. not even trying to pretend. You're scrolling. This is podcasting. You're not even trying to pretend that you're like... 
tell the truth that, that I'm doing this, this off the top of my right. head. Let's just we know we know okay, we know enough of the Ninety three was a disaster. I'm not done. Oh sorry. Ninety three was an absolute disaster for this guy. Not only did he hit one seventy seven with a homer and nine ribbies through May, then his jaw was broken in a bar fight and he never regained his form. In fact, uh, his return to action got even worse. It was delayed. Remember, he was sitting in the dugout during a game in August, and he was hit in the head by a foul ball off the bat of Jeffrey Hammonds. Hammonds, what a prospect he was. I it was like, this teams. guy, if he had any luck, it would be bad luck only. What bar? What, was, what bar did it have? Do you have that? Do you have details? In the, the story's in the details. It was down. I think it was... Uh, was it here, or was it on the road? It wasn't like a hotel bar I think it was in the, the outskirts road. of Maryland. Really? Yeah, I think it was in a podunk town in Maryland. But if I'm wrong, someone will tweet us at Be More Opinionated. Very good. Uh, and he got into an argument with former and the late Orioles manager Johnny Oates about being left out of the starting lineup against the lefty and then was released by the club without playing another game again back in the early 90s. Now, now... If you're wondering about that was Glenn the whole. Davis, I think that was the point of the assignment. He's trying to inform the millennials context, about his yeah, history. Context is everything. I mean, between Mitch Lamoureux and Glenn Davis. Oh, I got a good one for you coming up. Who? So. Babe Ruth. What's mm, he doing now? Close. Glenn Davis lives in Columbus, Georgia, where he's from. He's the CEO of something called the Cascade Group. It develops hotels in the southeast region of the nation, and he owns a Hilton down there. He's also a politician, a city councilman down in Columbus, really? Georgia. If you're looking for Glenn Davis, maybe we'll have him on. I was just in Georgia. I should have reached out. Hey, real quickly regarding BWI, when you got back, to me, and you travel all over the country, I get a chance to as well, the worst baggage claim in America. Not many other airports do I have to wait more than 30 minutes for my luggage to come out. And the other part of it is, if you get in early, there's always the wrong gate because they're not prepared for you at that gate. So you have to sit on the tarmac and wait and wait and wait. And it's just ridiculous that BWI keeps this up year after year despite complaint after complaint. Yeah. I know I'm not alone. You know what I have to say? I've traveled enough to know I never check bags. Like this trip to Georgia, I had to because it was six of us in all traveling um, and multiple children involved, but I don't check bags. But, I, but coming back from this trip, I was thinking like this is it's a ridiculously long period of time. I don't know if that's the norm because, again, I'm a dude. Oh, your homework next week is Joey Fink. I want to know what Joey Fink is up to these days. Joey Fink. Do you remember Joey Fink? Of course. He played for the Blast. There Are we going to go. do uh... – Now you want me to rant? Yeah. So Joey Fink for next week. After unless we get... Adam unless Adam tweets or texts you something different. Okay. We'll go with Joey Fink. And then we also have to get to one final story involving some oh, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. you discovered no, inside got, my got, home. We'll be, it'll, it'll be good. Creeping around. So, yeah, mar angry married guy rant of this week will be. So coming back from the airport, I'd sort of noticed this trend a little bit in the past, but it now reached a point where I, I, I basically could have banked on it, and unfortunately it met expectations. There is a new thing, or somewhat new at least to me. I'm on MLK Boulevard a fair amount if I'm going whatever to the airport or whatever. I usually go that way through Towson 83, shoot up MLK, and then Russell Street, and then BW Parkway. So there's always been a, you know, a fair number of, of panhandlers um, you know, and people who obviously you know, are in an unfortunate situation right now. And usually they would, you know, they're on the corner, as you would expect. I have now found in recent months that on MLK, they're on the move. And they are going against traffic, like right between cars. And there is no real attempt made to use the sidewalk on either side of the boulevard 
but it's just straight up and down against traffic while men, it's moving. Men and women are strictly men. I would say this dynamic I found to be more men, but I don't know that it's exclusive. So as we're getting off Russell Street, I said to my wife, Lauren, I'm like, I think we're going to get at least three, like, agro panhandlers who will be walking towards our car in the opposite direction. Do you pull the like, Coleman really? move? I gave what is the that, last the guy. Over? No, I gave the last guy. No, it wasn't even no, more I about that. Just it, just, gave. it was just the dynamic. So I set the over under at three. We actually got five, which anyway, I don't know. Maybe this is you paid maybe this five times. Going, I'm not saying that I paid. I actually didn't have any cash because she left my ATM at my brother-in-law's. Or you do Coleman actually, moves it was her part sister-in-law. two. My window doesn't work. I cannot roll it down. You do, you do the fake like you're trying yeah, to roll it down, even though it's, it's all it's mechanical. Now you do the old fake. It's not working. So anyway, that was my rant of the week. Like that just that seems that's like a dangerous precedent. Like, I mean, the whole you know man versus car. That's a tough one to pull off. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's very prevalent throughout not only Baltimore City but Baltimore County. My friend has the Exxon there on Chopin Falls Road, and it seems like every other day someone's almost getting run over from panhandling because they're coming at you from all different angles with their buckets. So, yeah, that is becoming an issue. And so, this is a natural transition from panhandling to your freebies. How so, dare you? This is, as you mentioned at the top of this podcast, this is the second straight road game for me. My kids are off of school this week for Easter. So, so doing, we're at my yeah, estate. Doing this in my house wouldn't work. So all the free crap you had assembled, just strewn around your house last week, it's all still here. The Bacardi bottle is no longer against... Uh, the wall, which is, that, that that was a good move. Yeah, but all the other free. The swag, mailman loved it. The stupid Buffalo Wild Wings football on your mantle, as if it was the most cherished Coleman family heirloom. Like this is where someone would put an urn if, like, a pet or a loved <laughs> one had met their demise in an untimely, unfortunate fashion. You have a, I don't know, a plastic Buffalo Wild it's Wings. It's deflated, football. so it well, it is dying a slow here. death. And then I have I have visual evidence of this because I took the picture. You still have the lithograph in your bathroom that a week ago I was like, dude, it's wrapped in cellophane with the four cardboard corners on it to protect it. You take that stuff off before Have you ever you heard of it. maintaining value? I have the same lithograph in my basement where my kids, you, you've been in my basement. Right. Where they're beating the snot out of each other. It's like a 70 probably scratched up. It's nice. If anyone has it, it's the Baltimore City of Champions from 1970 when the O's, the Clippers, the Colts, and the Bullets all won championships. But it's a reproduction and it's in, you've got it in solid. Like it's mind blowing okay. why you still haven't done it. In all your abundant free time, you couldn't have unpeeled that thing. If I go to in the Phoenix last week. and try to sell that, that is going to be looked at as a major collectible item outside of Baltimore. Don't you want to keep it in pristine you condition? You got all these autograph stuff just out there like normal all over That's the place. That's because I'm keeping those. That's oh, so for, this was an investment? Yeah. So why are you hanging it in your bathroom? Where else am I going to put it on the floor? Dude, so then, okay, so anyway, so that was one. So also last week, if you recall, Jerry did Hopefully. find his all-time pass to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, which For is donating the stolen Cuban For, lineup right. card from 99, yeah. So as he produced the, was, was it a shoebox? It, was it? It was, it was a, a shoebox. Uh, no, it was a box from a drawer that okay. had the Hall of Fame lifetime pass. There also were <laughs> key cards to various hotels. And Don't these, call me an Andrew, uh, Aaron Andrews type person. That has nothing to do well, with I, the key I wasn't cards. even thinking. Right. I wasn't thinking. Because, you know, I, I know perceptions out That's there. That's a keyhole. Why this does is this a guy key have card. key cards to hotels? It's one hotel. One in Vegas. I'm sorry, two. One in Vegas, one in the Bahamas. Which, I, like, that's a little bit bizarre. And then the wristbands. You had actual wristbands 
that look like they would get you into like a cabana party or like a pool party Bingo. at a hotel. That's now, what you're they're re- for. You've used these more than once. You've repurposed these. One is from MGM Grand. The other is from Atlantis and the Bahamas from different years. Uh, they've caught on to these type of schemes, so they color code the armbands. So what you didn't see is one in every color. So when you go to an Atlantis, you have to be staying at that hotel or one of the member hotels. I used to stay at another place. It was a condo. And I would go over and use the Atlantis facilities, the pools, the water slides, the spa, and just flash the room key card, but have the wristband around my uh, wrist. So you would go do recon, figure out, is it a purple day? Is it a blue day? Is it a yellow day? All you got to do is walk into the lobby, look at some kid's wrist, and... And you've got the full rainbow assortment. It's a double rainbow all the way. So you go out back, you flash it to the guard, and you're there for the rest of the day. So what's the most, like, maximum number of uses you've utilized? I haven't counted. I just know I strike up a conversation with the guard real quickly and establish that you're in, that I'm here, this is my face, I'll be here all day, and then put put it away. So So you didn't answer my question. You've, like, you think you've got three uses out of one of these or at least so you and how did you get it originally someone gave them to you or no, you I've did pay at the hotel you paid there enough that you stayed there a number of that. times i just kept them knowing so like, the policy okay i'm gonna say like a blue atlantis from 2004 was that a good year for wristbands <laughs> like was that a vintage year it's let's like just say fine a wine 2004 year. atlantis blue colored how many times that's do you probably think you've outdated used it? i was well, just there year. in 2015 so using old wristbands. No, we got a. I got a new assortment. We. I got a new assortment. <laughs> Team Jerry. So why did you have to get a new assortment if you've saved all the other colors? You didn't trust your inventory. I kept them, but I see they change colors. They put polka you dots or stripes it out. on one. You didn't one. have the right kind. No, they tried to catch up with society. They added patterns. Yeah, they're trying to catch up with the criminals out there, of which I'm. Okay, Not so one. let's take the element of time out of it. Whatever. What's the? Have you used one wristband? Let's say three times. In a week, yes. They, they didn't change colors three times in a week? No, on that certain day, I had to use it three different times. You're still missing my point. You save these, apparently, to use in future years. How many times have you taken one from a season, whenever you were there, in whatever year, once. and then brought it back once, and used, got One year apart, once. Just one day? No, just it was one like color? 10 years ago. Just one color? Yeah. So, why, so now, my real question is, why the hell are you still saving them? If they've called onto your plot, why th- do you still have them? Because when I opened that drawer and saw that I had some from 10 years ago, I threw those out. So they're gone. That, yeah. I have more updated ones like the, now. Like the Bacardi bottle that was once against your, what is that, a except, foyer? Except, would, that, would that be considered a foyer? No one wanted those. I couldn't re-gift them. We'll see you next this week. This is probably a good time to end this thing. And you guys will definitely want to join us next week, a special opening day edition of Be More Opinionated that will drop Monday morning as you're driving down to tailgate, take the Mark train, and get your drink on. Can't wait! I thought that was a good way to end it, even though I misconstrued your question. (laughs) I think I may still have some up there. I shouldn't have kept them that long.